0: I'm Glenn Southam and welcome to the podcast that shares the challenges, successes and advice of marketing professionals working in recruitment. You also get to find out their favourite swear word. You can find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Southam and the podcast website can be found at thelonelymarketers.com, the no-strings network for marketers in recruitment. This is The Lonely Marketer Show. Let's get going. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Lonely Marketer. Today, I'm joined by Michael Oliver from Client Server. Uh, we're expanding the international footprint as well as uh, Michael is a Kiwi. Uh, he previously worked at the REC, who now makes him the second RECer. Uh, after Chris Howard was on the show previously. You worked with Chris, didn't you? I
1: did. Chris, yeah. was, Chris was my boss.
0: Oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. So uh, The Apprentice becomes the master, maybe, in terms of podcasting. Um, Michael has a journalistic background, and I, as I was uh, doing the deep level of research that I do for every show going through LinkedIn, uh, you had a stint at a show called FarmingShow.com.
1: Yeah, (laughs) farmingshow.com, which was, well, the farming show back in New Zealand was a big deal, mainly because farmers tend to have (laughs) a knack for doing the same thing every day for like 20 to 30 years. Yeah, sounds like recruitment. It's exactly like (laughs) recruitment. And so Farming Show came on at midday, uh, hosted by the same guy for like the last however long, and farmingshow.com was kind of like the online partner for that. Favourite farm animal? Uh, cow, the cow. Wow. Um,
0: yeah, to, to not say a lamb or a sheep when you're from New Zealand, that is amazing.
1: Well, the thing is, there are more cows than there are sheep in New Zealand. There now. you go.
0: Yeah. Myth busting. this exactly.
1: So, love it. Great content already. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. So, um mentioned it just started recording, and it's a question I asked, um, asked Chris as well. Is obviously been in recruitment um, a fair amount of time, been at Client Server just, just over a year, but previously at the REC, which gives you, you know, probably a great breadth of exposure to different recruitment firms in different sectors. Um, How did that help your experience at the REC to do what you do now,
1: kind of in-house marketing for a single client? I think what the REC gave me was was really my first serious marketing job, having (laughs) come from journalism, which is a very different beast to come to marketing for a ostensibly a not for profit trade association yeah. it gave me a sense of what this industry was about what was making it tick and what was sort of important i think there was a mixed blessing in that and that within about a month or two after i joined the rec i had the uh, the rec's magazine recruitment matters kind of foisted on me So they, <laughs> you do journalism you can now edit our magazine yeah. and i Decided that the best thing to do would be to just interview and talk to as many recruiters as possible And what I figured out was that this industry is as wide and as varied as the economy itself uh, And just by virtue of learning what made these business people tick. Yeah, it could put me in good stead for what I'm doing now at client server. Yeah, but at the same time It's not the full story no. like what you learn uh for working for an organisation which is sort of industry adjacent, yeah. as opposed to actually being in the belly of the beast itself, very different things. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, and and on your you mentioned journalist journalist background, does that does that affect you in your marketing? Do you always have that copywriting? That you must be very content driven in terms of your marketing approach, of bias towards content, which isn't a
1: bad thing. Well, no, it's not. It's not a bad thing. But what I think journalism taught me was that. You always, always, always just look for the crux of something. Yeah. Never mind, you know, the, uh, the platitudes and the thra- phrases and the talking points and all the banal kind of buzzwords. What are people actually talking about? Mm. So, is it the government introducing a new social charge which will, <laughs> will increase social housing, or are they just making more state houses available? Yeah, that's the thing I think marketing, particularly. Marketing as a whole, but also marketing and recruitment, sort of suffers from. Yep. is that it's a tendency towards trying to sound smarter than you are. Yeah. So what I've always tried to do from a marketing point of view is kind of harken back to that journalism uh, ethos. Whereas, what is this actually getting at? What's the simplest way we can explain something? And do we really need to sound like as smart or smarter as we are? How's as it a- affecting people? Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And their thought process and everything. Yeah. Like that. And I think the, the content side of the thing is interesting as well because I have always been someone who finds the word content slightly problematic, Yeah. mainly because I feel people use it as a catch-all phrase to mean anything they want it to. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, we do content, and people sit there and nod and go, yes, content, yes, content's good. Content is king. Content is king. <laughs> but what the hell does that actually mean? Yeah. And what is valuable and what is going to be useful? And so when... I started here at Client Server, one of the in fact, during my job interview for this place, one of the things I said was, what when we talk about quote unquote content, <laughs> what are we actually talking about? what's what's actually going to be valuable? And I think the, one of the biggest things for recruitment is that you have and this is speaking as a journalist, well, you have the best source of quote unquote content out there, and that's the people we work with, yeah. the candidates you place and the clients you work for they are as you know wide and as deep as the economy itself. And so there's so many interesting stories there yeah. that you can't help but produce something interesting and of value. Yeah, and the consult and the consultants especially are
0: like you say, they're having those conversations all day, every day, you know, and in some companies, not all. It's changing. They're targeted on having these conversations. And I always find it a weird a weird kind of like paradox is you've got all this content you're having all these conversations so why don't you want to speak about the conversations you're having you don't need to you know talk about the specific person you spoke to or the client but over the course of a day or a week you'll be noticing about candidates having similar challenges in finding new roles and you'll be speaking to clients who are might be saying oh everyone's too expensive or something like that and then that's where you build the conversation from but there are too many recruitment companies who just aren't leveraging that well enough are they
1: it's it's really interesting because i think we are we're starting to see more and more that recruitment companies are becoming more like marketing agencies yes and they are starting to behave it yeah exactly (laughs) it's great for us yeah And they're starting to see the value in that. And they're starting to realize this isn't a short-term game. Any kind of marketing uh, apparatus is going to be long-term. But, of course, you don't bring in someone to fulfill your marketing unless you're thinking about making a fuck-ton of money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one of the things that uh, recruitment is very, very uh, cognizant of is that you have people who want to make money fast, and they're thinking about getting that next CV out, that next getting that next interview in the books, yep. making that next placement. And they're not necessarily thinking about, well, actually, this could be an interesting story. And that's when the marketing side of things needs to kind of sail in and just be on their door all the time, mm. saying, "That guy you placed, where where is he from? He was from Venezuela. Yeah. What, what? How did he end up here in the UK? Yeah. What? He taught himself English. He taught himself programming." Uh, Tell me more about this guy.
0: And that's a great story. What the uh, the story that Michael's referring to there? I've, I've got it, got it on my show notes. That sounds very professional. Um, is a guy called Gabriel uh, Formicha. Formicha, yes, yeah, for, uh, from Venezuela. And if you go to Client Servers LinkedIn page, I think it might be pinned to the top still. And things. It's his whole story. It's a it's a great example of kind of making. Recruitment more human and and technical recruitment more human as well, which sometimes is even more difficult. But that, it's a it's a brilliant way of demonstrating that that human side, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's that's one of the things with with particularly with tech recruitment. Yeah, is that this? Or well, we always talk about how it's a candidate rich market, at but tech even more so. Uh, a lot of the people we place haven't had to apply for a job. In years they either do it through networks or through referrals and they're, so, just, in demand, and they're they? so in demand yeah. and they're so in demand and they can you know they can ask they're in control it, you know, they're in control yeah and not to disparage them but they're often very kind of shy very introverted not very kind of outgoing not perhaps willing to talk about this is where I've come from this is what I've done but when you find that little gold nugget you find that's you know that diamond in the rough yeah. story they find out that people are actually more than willing to talk about it. Yep. And I was really nervous about asking Gabriel for his story because I thought this could be... Well, he still has family over in Venezuela and the political yeah, climate has, has not improved. And I said, listen, at any point during this, if you want to say, can we not talk about this, just tell me. And he said, no, everything's an open book. Yeah. The only thing he didn't... There were some things he didn't want to talk about, some like quite personal, personal and but, on the whole, he was more than comfortable. yeah, and that's the thing. And it's all about building that rapport, building those relationships. And that's where you know marketing and recruitment perhaps overlap a little bit.
0: yeah, and I think mentioned it there about control. I think recruitment companies need to understand that ultimately the candidates do hold all of the cards a lot of the time. Uh, well, they do all all of the time, really. No matter you know what training you have on, persuasion or you know hard sales techniques and things like that. Of course you can persuade and you can negotiate, but the candidates have control. And I think the best recruitment companies are overtly saying, you're in control here. You're in control how you apply for jobs. You're in control how you engage with us. You know, you're in control of the jobs you take. And I think the ones that embrace that are the ones that are just probably getting that jump ahead of other recruitment companies at the moment. Yeah,
1: I, I think that's absolutely bang on the mark. I I think the smartest recruiters are those who realize that's the that's the dynamic at play yeah that they are you know they're beholden to the whims of the candidate and it's very frustrating I guess and very kind of you know taxing as well to have to say okay well you said that you were interested in this role and now you've got another offer and I'm trying to you know play the play the (laughs) odds here but at at the end of the day it's that's part of the game isn't it yeah that's the thing you're either going to be you know you're going to be the person who they come back to time and time again or you're just going to be just another one in a line of recruiters a person works with over the course of It's that is that
0: long-term thing and i think this is where marketing uh plays a role as well is that you know we can convince and we can try and push uh certain ways of working and why it would benefit it but if you drag it all the way back is to, well, what does the company stand for? What's the purpose of the business? Why why do we exist? And then once you, you're you hiring people who are buying into that purpose and that long-term vision, it's a lot easier. If you don't have that purpose and long-term vision, people are just gonna be in it for themselves, especially from a consultant point of view. Yeah, they wanna hit their targets, they wanna get their commission, um, being completely honest. 85, 90% of people who are in recruitment probably don't see it as a career long long term a lot of the time as well. So I think that's really important. You know, you drag it all the way back to the the
1: purpose as well. That's actually, that's a really interesting point. And I think it comes back to the idea of what what a brand actually is, particularly in recruitment. And... It strikes me Or that what it that isn't. Or <laughs> what it isn't. Yeah. It seems that we, as an industry, particularly in marketing, we're still in our infancy in terms of how we behave yeah. and our kind of rationalization of what a brand is and what a brand does. I think we kind of always have in our mind that we want the long-term loyal, quote-unquote, <laughs> kind of people coming back to us over and over again. And we're perhaps a little bit dismissive of those who... Yeah, they're happy to work with us, but you know, perhaps next year they're going to work with the agency down, down the, the street. Road. But that's okay. If you have a, you know, a volume of those kind of candidates and clients, you're still going to be making money off it. Mm. Uh, and I think what we need to kind of realize is that we're never going to be Nike. We're never going to be the BBC. We're never going to be Adidas. We can aspire to be like those brands, but remember that what our place is. We are at the crux. The best thing we can do from a brand is to actually just do our job well. Yeah. And that's when you need to, you, as marketers need to make it clear to the guys on the shop floor, you're actually doing marketing. Mm-hmm. You are actually the face of our brand. And every time you have a great candidate experience, or you, even when you have a shit one, you are doing, basically you're doing my job. Yeah. And you need to accept that you know you're never gonna have
0: a monopoly of uh, favoritism or loyalty on everything. Even those brands, you know, you'll have you'll have some people who always go to Starbucks, but you'll have people who I'm holding a cup here who who will go to prep all the time. Is that you can't expect to have a monopoly on anything. So don't strive for it. Just strive for giving the best
1: experience, regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's the thing. Like you go to a restaurant. And you say, uh, you order a Coke. And they say, we don't do a Coke, we do Pepsi. You're not going to be like, well, that's it. I will not drink a cola-based beverage today. No, you, you think, well, okay, fine. I'll just go with Pepsi. Same with recruitment. Same with literally every brand on earth. Uh, yeah. And once, once you start working from that point of view and you think about, well, actually, I'm not the only brand in town. No. You just start thinking, well, I'm just going to be good. And I'm going to strive to just be better than I was yesterday. Yeah. That's the, that's ultimately the best mindset you can have.
0: And from a from a marketing point of view, um, I always say it to kind of well, the majority of people on the show is that we do rely a lot on um, on the sales guys. That that link between sales and marketing. It is getting closer in the majority of companies, certainly that I'm seeing and in industry wide, but you know, there's there's still there's still a gap probably compared to a lot of other industries in terms of uh, you know, marketing qualified leads and things. Um, Where do you see the challenges there of bringing, you know, sales and marketing a little bit closer together within the recruitment world? I can only speak
1: to what we do here at Client Server. And one of the things that we've noticed in terms of our placements is that we make a hell of a lot of placements off the back of referrals. So that's candidates who know a guy who's actually looking for a job who we don't have on the database who we pass on to our consultants. And that's always gonna be one of the one of the main tensions is being able to say, well I did a you know, the, the reason that they heard about us, was that because of something I've done over the past yeah. however long? Or is it just simply right place, right time, and the right salesperson yeah. getting in someone's ear? I think one of the things I and indeed any anyone in any marketing position needs to do is being able to justify how their work and their efforts Affects the bottom line. Yeah, and in my mind is it's always so long as what I'm doing helps achieve three broad goals And that's you know, are we getting more candidates applying for jobs? Are we bringing on more clients and are we actually getting more consultants wanting to work for us? Yeah, so long as what I'm doing kind of like broadly Serves one of those three things. Mm-hmm. I think we're on the right on the right track I think in terms of the racial relationship between sales and marketing it's there's an, yeah, yeah, There are a lot of ways you can play this. So whether it is using your consultants as case studies for this is why we're actually a great place to work. That's one, or using their kind of you know their insight to be. I've talked to a particular ca- uh, talked to a particular client. They'd love to know if we do X, Y, Z. Well, we can put together some kind of you know marketing friendly package to help them see yeah. this is what we offer. Or that we're talking you know talking to a candidate and they said they've never heard of us before. Well, we've got you know we've got all of this other you know candidate facing collateral or whatever yeah. to help you kind of see. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff doesn't affect the bottom line. A lot of it is just you've got to have it in order to not seem like you are a credible business, yeah, yeah, legit. And that's I don't think that's a bad thing. I think a lot a lot of a lot of what we do is just hard graft and it's a lot of it's just kind of just making sure, you know, for want of a better term, the trains turn up on time. Yeah. And and, and that's that's okay. Yeah, I I I read um I read an
0: article uh, recently, and I, I was always, I still am, of the same kind of train of thought as as you in terms of right everything that I'm doing. Why am I doing it? What's the impact having on candidate registrations, inbound leads, and ultimately revenue, et cetera. Et cetera. And uh, this school of thought that I was reading about, and if I remember, I'll put the link to it in the in the comments for the show, is that marketing in b2b companies needs to shift more now to uh, a 50 50 in terms of working on the brand as well as those kind of revenue generated things But that's very very hard in recruitment isn't it if you are spending 50 percent of your time working on the brand working on the emotional side of the recruitment firm and creating those those stories and those experiences and and those fluffy in inverted commas stuff it, it's, it's not the environment is it where I don't think you'd get buy-in but it, it's the way the world's going people want to be able to connect with brands and I don't think that that should be any different for, for recruitment because in the end you know people are looking for jobs and careers and that's that is an it's an emotional decision and part of
1: your life to take, isn't it? I mean, recruitment is already starting 10 points behind the game.
0: Yeah. It's usually the way in everything, in tech and everything a- Absolutely. And which is
1: strange for an entrepreneurial industry. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. a- a- and as much as uh, the REC, indeed any other industry body... You know, there are I'd, other industry bodies available. There, there, <laughs> there, there are, there are. Uh, I can't speak to their quality, but... Uh, <laughs> but they talk a lot about, you know, the industry has, you know, a great deal with helping people find jobs and, cha- you know, transforming lives. That was always the line, jobs transform lives. But we're starting from 10 points behind because there is that innate distrust or perhaps, you know, just dislike yeah. of recruitment. And there are some for whom they don't do a massive, you know, don't do the industry a massive favor. Yeah. And there are some who do. And it's it's just a, it's. It's a constant tension. And it always will be with what, 40, 50, 60,000 in the
0: UK alone recruitment businesses. You're, you're always going to get that, aren't you? Exactly. You, yeah, you
1: get that in every industry. Exactly. And, and that's the, it's the thing where you have to find, you know, the, so long, well, it goes back to what it is about any kind of business. As yeah. so long as you do what you say you're going to do and you do it well <laughs> yeah. and you do it without being a pack of douchebags, then <laughs> yeah. you're generally going to be okay. Yeah, uh, I, I think and what's our role in that as, as marketing to, to get that message across? I think we need to just remember who we are and what we're about. Yeah. I think that, that, what I've strived to do at Client Server is that when I walked in the door, one of the first questions I got asked during my interview, when you look out on the floor what does it look like to you and the phrase that just came to mind straight away and it stuck with me was that it was business casual there was no three-piece suits there's yeah. no ringing of the bells there's no that kind of like yeah hardcore kind of you know recruitment style yeah it was very much just blokes and you know guys and girls yeah. coming into it and just doing it well and there's no ego there's no pretense uh, it reminded me a little bit of being a Kiwi, I'm going to use an All Blacks metaphor. <laughs> the All Blacks have a a, a rule called no dickheads. It yeah. doesn't matter how good a player you are. If you're a tosser, no interest in selecting you. Yeah. And that's the perception I got here, that there was no egos. Everyone was kind of, you know, knew what they were about. I thought, well, the last thing I'm going to do is market this company as an all singing, dancing, three-piece suit, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, You've seen that you've seen that recruitment video of the dudes on the plane? Yeah. Yeah, yeah like the the worst video of all time. Yeah. It's like I I do not want that. What I want to do is try and convey what we've got internally, externally. Yeah. Uh, knowing that, you know, brand as a you know as much an HR piece as it is an external piece. Yep. And if what I you know, what we're doing feels real and feels sincere and feels that this is what we're about, then that will, you know, that's obviously going to come across in other fields as well. And I think that's what we've uh, what we've strived for we where yeah. people are facing business, and so we've made people the face of it, so yeah. we're not you know we're not trying to get on the front page of the times we're not trying to get like personality profiles about our directors yeah you know we're publishing blogs about you know the guy who started here six years ago as yeah. a consultant but is now a senior consultant
0: and you also yeah. do your kind of i i like the uh kind of the big question features as well, isn't it where you go out and you just Ask clients and candidates about specific things and stuff like that. It's well, really
1: cool. The way we pitch ourselves is that we're not an agency. We're yeah. a consultancy. Yeah. And so that—that's um, yeah, and everyone
0: good. does that, but you've got to live it. Exactly. You've got to demonstrate it.
1: Exactly. You yeah. can't, you know, we're a consultancy. And often that's just kind of like, a, you know, a <laughs> phrase we attach to kind of seem more important than what we are. But if we are a consultancy, then what we've got to do is we've got to consult. We've got to yeah. offer something <laughs> yeah. valuable. And when I overhear the guys on the floor explaining something to a candidate over and over again, this is why I'm asking you about your girlfriend. It's not because I'm trying to hit on her. It's because <laughs> if you're going to move to the UK from Slovenia to take up an you know, 80K tech role, is she going to be able to come with you? And if not, that's going to sway you and potentially I'm not going to make a placement. Just all those little, those yeah. little things. And it's, it is about bringing that value and doing it consistently, yeah. which I think is another thing, particularly in marketing, we kind of fall in love with things and we go hammer for tongs on doing one particular kind of tactic, and then we get bored or something else crops up, or we go on holiday, yeah. which I've, I've seen happen, like people come back from holiday and be like, uh, crap, what, what, what is it, we are actually <laughs> yeah. doing? And it all kind of it falls by the wayside. Yeah. But so long as that is consistent and it becomes part of what you do every day, uh, and you know, so obviously there's an overarching objective and strategy behind it, then, yeah, no, you are going to be fine.
0: Yeah, I think on, the, that, on that point as well, it can go the other way sometimes in recruitment firms is companies, and we see it across the industry, they carry on doing the same thing just for the sake of doing the same thing. They, they haven't seen any results. They're just doing it because that recruitment firm down the road again, they're doing it, and they keep it up with the Joneses. Is there's that balance, isn't there? Don't just keep doing something f- for the sake of it. You still need to have those checkpoints, those milestones in place to to be meeting that objective. And if it's not, then don't be afraid to cut it. But like you say, if something's working, double down, and keep going. Absolutely,
1: that's the one of the things that drives me absolutely insane is that there is a, a tendency to keep, yeah, you know, keeping up with the Joneses is like. <laughs> The bane of any recruitment <laughs> marketer's life, I think. Like, yeah. oh God, they've got X number of followers on LinkedIn, or they're doing video. Like, <laughs> we should do video now, or, yeah. or, oh God, we, we need to we need to do a podcast. We need to do X Y Z. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I got asked was, do you think we should do a magazine? Because company down the road is doing a magazine and they're doing, they're getting you know they're getting great buy in from clients. I thought, well, no. Having come from it, and which is odd, having come from a journalism background, to actually yeah. say, you know, I actually I don't think there is anything any value <laughs> in that, and I think that's an issue with B two B magazines as a whole. But the question is, okay, what's really the objective here? Do we what we want to provide something val- valuable to you know clients for sure? Okay, what's the best way we can do it, which is authentic and is actually going to be worth pursuing? Putting together a, a seventy page PDF which is 150 megabytes and it's gonna sit on a Google Drive, which we would encourage someone to, you know, eventually download, yeah. blah, 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 and uh, for want of a better term, conning our clients to pony up, seven, you know, 2,000 pounds to have an ad in it or a feature. <laughs> I don't think that brings value. I don't think that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, I think just I because- And they probably take up 80% of your time. They take up an, an insane amount of time to do and to do well. I don't think it's enough to just be able to say we've produced a piece of you know content. It needs to be purposeful and actually be good. It needs to. Or what the phrase I always use is: Does this pass the cringe test? Is this something we can look at and say, Well, we're proud to have done that. That is actually going to you know increase our stead, or is it something that we felt like, Oh God, we need to we need to put motivational quotes up on LinkedIn because, or on Instagram or anywhere because they're doing it despite the fact that it's cringe-inducing and actually offers nothing of any value at all.
0: Um, in terms of uh, people always like to learn about screw-ups in the industry and what you learn about it uh, and things like that, so throughout your career, this could be on the farmingshow.com, it could be at the RSC, it could be now. What, Where have you kind of, you know, fucked up or something in the past and how has that changed your thinking for projects moving forward?
1: My biggest issues have always been because I... Unlike a lot of, I think, well, unlike a lot of marketers, but at the same time, I've realised a lot of marketers are actually like this as well. I am extremely introverted in the sense that I very much would avoid any kind of human contact, which is weird for someone who pursued journalism. A lot as a of creative career. people are like that. Just like, like yeah. if I can avoid having a confrontation, I am absolutely one hundred percent going to do that, yeah. and I will avoid sending and you know avoid picking up the phone. And send an email, and if I didn't want to send an email, I would leave it to the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Kind of, but then usually, if you do have that conversation, it's never as bad as you, it's, you initially thought. Is that it? is
1: the thing, and that took me so long to learn. Mm. So managing, learning how to manage people, and certainly learning how to manage up, and I think that's one of the perhaps a massive challenge of any yeah. any marketer is being able to translate marketese yes. into you know language that the CFO will understand, much less the managing director, being able to do that and do that confidently. That's something I had to kind of you know, force myself to do th- just through sheer practice. Yeah. And the number of times I'd go into meetings and find myself saying nothing until someone said, Okay, well, you're not saying anything. What, what what's this got to do from a marketing point of view? And find myself stumbling over my words or mm. being unable to kind of you know blurt it out. I, there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I knew that was my my biggest, because that happened so many times Mm. and that was affecting the way I was doing work and certainly I wouldn't be able to, you know. Don't don't take risks as much sometimes Do you You play it safe. safe. Yeah. Or you play it way too safe. Yeah. And you end up doing yourself a disservice and the quality of your work ends up suffering as a consequence.
0: So, so don't be afraid to have those difficult conversations. They're not as difficult as you imagine in your head. <laughs>
1: no, that, and that's where I think a lot of marketers need to act a little bit more like salespeople. Yeah. And figure out what's the best angle. And not not go into any in these conversations with an agenda, but certainly don't initiate any conversations or certainly don't ask any questions. You don't already have a pretty good idea what the answer's gonna yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of the biggest tips I ever got from a journalism point of view. Like, ask a question, but ask a question anticipating what the answer is going to be. Yes. Yeah. And figure out what the next steps. Yeah, so actually. you
0: can respond to the answer and follow up. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Excellent. Uh, Favourite part of the show uh, now where I can catch catch people off guard with their one-word answers. Uh, one marketing tool
1: or technology you couldn't live without? There's one thing I've relied on more than anything else. It's the Adobe suite. Okay. And I feel like should Adobe go out of business and that become... <laughs> Uh, you know, some other, you know, media <laughs> yeah. rise in its in its wake. I'm gonna be a little bit screwed because I've spent the last probably ten to ten to twelve years learning how to do everything using that piece of technology. If oh, I, I dig down even
0: further, what only one if you could only have one Adobe product, what oh, would I it would,
1: be? I would have Photoshop. Photoshop. Have Photoshop. <laughs> and 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 it's I feel like a lot you know, Photoshop as not just a you know a editing tool but as a as a workflow yeah. is oh, it's so and so important. I know there are a lot of uh a lot of people who've been on this podcast and certainly <laughs> other podcasts will talk about, you know, different social media tools. Yeah. This is yeah, I'm I'm not certainly someone who thinks, Oh, we've got to have, you know, the late we've got to have buffer, we've got to do social flow, we've got to have Hootsuite, yeah, HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot. Yeah, we've yeah. got to have this. Essentially they're all the same yeah it's, it's how the, you use them. It's, exactly it's how you use them and um, you give me the latest and greatest social media tool they can do your analytics they can do your scheduled posts xyz fine Within well, you know a couple of days i'm going to know how to use it it's not like but if that goes out of business okay the next thing will come along and i'm pretty <laughs> sure i'm going to know how to use that as well yeah. uh, i think yeah it's it's being able to say it's one thing to learn how to do the tactics it's another thing to be able to marry that up with the strategy. Yeah. And that's the next I'd say for anyone any young budding marketing exec, <laughs> yeah. marketing assistant, it's not enough to just be able to say I produced a great amount of yeah. stuff on LinkedIn and Instagram and whatever. And if, if you you yeah, yeah, if if you want to
0: specialize and do that and do it all the time, yeah, yeah, cool. Take yeah. take that route, but if you want to be managing teams, getting your feet under that board's table and having
1: those top conversations, I can't agree more. Absolutely, you've got to you've got to be able to say with confidence, this is how it, you know, yeah. helps us achieve this particular goal, and this is how this particular strategy needs to be executed using this tactic, and, and do that with a degree of authority, yeah. and that's uh, that's where those people skills come in, those little soft skills. Yeah. Favorite brand? Big fan of the BBC. Oh have wow! It, yeah, this is this is controversial. It, controversial, but at the okay. same time, they. In terms of what they do not only in terms of uh, news content uh, but also in terms of just their output in terms of content content mm-hmm. and the way that they still carry that sense of authority yep. uh, and the production values in the sense of what is good has remained remarkably consistent yeah and i know there's this speaking as a as you know a foreigner Uh, if we i think this is that is the company that in terms of just being to produce things you aspire to you want to have that level of quality and that level of sophistication and get the methods and processes down that they have yeah you know there's not many news
0: channels or you know not even the news channels you know TV channels in general that get pumped around the world into so many different locations in terms of their, their journalistic output but also the shows that they produce as well isn't it they go all corners of the world that just doesn't happen that often
1: absolutely and that's why they were able to branch out and create a BBC studios which yeah. is, you know their commercial arm it's because they've got that collateral as a brand and that repre- you know that sense of what they do is you know good that they're able to go out and Sell to the likes of HBO and AMC. Like we'll produce your shows. Yeah. We'll put the BBC brand on it because you know we're going to produce something worthwhile, oh, so, yeah. and that will uh, that will flow on. Favorite sound or noise? Favorite sound or noise? So my um, in my previous life as a as a sports journalist, I. Used to do a lot of you know sports radio, and so one of the things I would always do is get that kind of that crowd atmos. So it'd always be like you know the, the burbling of a crowd and the uh, you know the sound of like you know, uh, uh, when something something yeah. happens and <laughs> oh, uh, when something like goes, bad, goes I was. bad. I love that. So it's, it's the sound of a, a crowd in a sports stadium when you're listening.
0: back That's to that emo- Yeah, that emotion, up or down. And um, if you could do any job in
1: the world, what would it be? I would do, give anything to be sort of the editor. Of something like the Guardian or wow, you know, okay. chief content person for the BBC or something like wow. that, because I feel that journalism—I used to think yeah. that journalism was you know content marketing with higher stakes. Yeah, and I, there's part of me that feels that is, that is still true, but the, I would love to be able to say, from a marketing point of view and from a journalism point of view, bring those two together and do it in a way that's sincere and real. Yeah, so it's so in a tough place at the moment. Journalism, isn't it? It's it's in a it's it's in a massively tough place yeah uh, i think that journalism is kind of in uh, i think uh, funnily enough in a place that recruitment is in a lot of kind of like navel gazing and going well god what are we about yeah. we know there are some who aren't doing the job particularly well and you know and there are some who are doing exemplary work
0: you have the traditionalists who think this is the way it should be done this is how it's been done for years carry on doing it they're not moving a bit like so like you say some recruitment firms there's others who are embracing the digital age and, and everything like that as well
1: yeah but it, it doesn't necessarily matter it doesn't matter if it's if you know they're hosting a show on YouTube or if they're you know doing you know a story the story, yeah, the it's the story it. and it's that sense of is this actually good yeah and quality is always going to come through regardless of what medium you use yep. and uh, I think you know we need more quality journalists or we need to you know find a way of bringing out the quality journalists, you know, bringing out their voices a lot yep. more. Okay. Mm. Favorite swear word? Favorite swear word. Oh, God, you know, I thought I knew swear words coming from New Zealand. Like yeah. I, I thought, you know, Found but the then I come words. over come over here and the capacity for blending swear words together over here is just is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, fuck. Yeah. It's, it's simple. simple. It's simple. It, yeah. you know, it can mean everything. And it's And you could
0: see it on my laptop at the moment as well. Take, take fucking risks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's
1: all it and it's one hundred percent in the way you convey it. It can yeah. be Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What fuck? No. <laughs> what with the fuck? Oh fuck. It it's yeah, it, it's has
0: universal appeal. Well what a great way to end the uh the show with uh lots of F bombs. I love it. <laughs> cool. Uh and that's another show wrapped up. Um thanks for coming on Michael, it's been brilliant. I think it covered so, so much and People are going to take a lot from it. So thanks a lot. My pleasure. Thank you. And I'll speak to you all very soon. Cheers.